Welcome to another episode of the Area 51 Hockey Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Warren. You could follow along in the conversation with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. In affiliation with Overtime Heroics and Big Heads Media, we want to create a platform for you, the fans, the aspiring creators, creators, and Canucks community members alike to share your thoughts and ideas. Without further ado, welcome back to Area 51. The Alien Pope. Welcome everybody back to the Area 51 Hockey Podcast. I'm joined now with our first period guest, the Alien Pope of the Church of Pedersen. How's it going today in your self-isolation in your alien Vatican? (laughs) It is going well. It's, uh, It's like anyone else, you know, we're just stuck to the uh, to the homelands here and and trying to uh, deal with the fact that there's just no hockey no sports um, no nothing going on right now so it, it, it makes for uh, creative times if you will it, it does for sure I know like for for myself I've been trying to watch different movies and TV shows and stuff like that and just kind of trying to distract myself in in my weekends that are self-isolated, I, I, uh, I still have to go and work right now in the public, but uh, hopefully for not too, too much longer. <laughs> but uh, we'll see how that goes. But uh, I'm, I'm really excited to have you on the show because I kind of want to get away from all the coronavirus stuff for now and just kind of talk about some positive things, some, some things that uh, we enjoyed over the last couple seasons was... Uh, the Church of Pedersen concept that you've created. And I just wanted to go into like how you came up with the idea, kind of the journey through it um, with us, and and then uh, any, any cool stories and experiences that you've had uh, from it. So first, just how did you come up with the Church of Pedersen idea? Uh, well, the idea originally came from a comment that... Uh, that Bick Nazar said on um, on Sportsnet 650 Radio back in Elias' uh, rookie year. It was game 10, and he had said, uh, and I mean, everyone, if you can remember, he was just on fire. No one could stop this guy. It was just amazing to watch him play. And and, uh, and Bick said, you know, that someone's going to create a church to follow him because, you know, he's just doing, he's just, that unreal and I thought that was funny I turned around and the first thing I did was I created a Twitter handle and uh, and I put in you know for the name of Church of Pedersen and I thought it would be funny to um, have it set up so that people would write church and then it would be at of Pedersen so that way I didn't really have church in the name but 
um, it never really caught on. That's all right. Uh, <laughs> you know, we, we, we learn from our mistakes, but, uh, it was, it was then, uh, that I got involved with, um, you know, communicating with somebody like with Vic, with, with John Jang, with Sat, with, um, Jason Botchford got on board and started, uh, uh, some comments in his articles about the church of Pedersen, which, you know, I got saved away in a photo somewhere, but, um, uh, it really just sort of went from there and, and the Canucks Twitter got on board and, uh, we started having some fun with it. It was, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was an unknown at that point. And I just wanted to bring positive, uh, energy into the, the Canucks world because it was such a new and exciting time for us. Absolutely. And I know like I, I got to watch uh, the second game of Pedersen's career, the home opener in Calgary, and he got mm-hmm. that was his first multi-goal game, and mm-hmm. like I was just losing it in my seat over over everything that I was watching. I just couldn't believe the skill set on the guy two games into his NHL career, the confidence that he carried himself with, and just how unstoppable he was. So it was pretty exciting to see, obviously, the how the fan base has has kind of welcomed him and and uh propped him up uh giving him the honestly what he deserves and the recognition that he deserves with that and you're one of the ones forefront on that so with like you've obviously you've got season tickets you've been doing different giveaways with with fans as far as like giving them tickets or i know i was one of the ones that i've received magnets and and stickers and stuff from from you guys as well uh, the alien pope idea and going to the games dressed as this alien pope. What went into the costume that you that you put together here? Oh, the costume. So I, I sort of I sometimes look back. I really love the costume, but I look back and I wish I went for the home color. So the idea was um, that as an alien, the, the colors that I would wear would be the away jersey. Hmm. So I designed the entire costume to look like it's the away jersey so it's the white colors it's got you know um all of the the uh the blue sleeves and and all the trim and whatnot and uh and then it's got the ank or onk or whatever it's called on the front chest and uh, it's really well designed and i mean cheaply made i, I want to say not cheaply <laughs> but like handmade right okay it's not it's not it's not custom. You know, we're not using uh, precise uh, cuts and stuff like that. This is all just handmade um, and and put together. So that's and then that's what it looks like. Uh, but you know, you you get what you pay for. And uh, I didn't want to spend you know six thousand dollars on a costume that that was going to look professionally done. Yeah, I wanted sure. it to be. I wanted it to have that homegrown feel. Um, but again, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's a Pope's costume. So it's got the big giant Pope hat and, uh, the big robes and the little, I forget what it's called, but the sash that goes around the neck. Okay. And, uh, it was, it was, it was well made. Um, I, and I, in hindsight, and if I do it again, uh, I think we'll, we'll go with the home colors this time and make it a little bit more, you know, with the blue colors and, and do that um i think that would look really nice too 
So we um, might be seeing a second Pope costume, is what you're saying. Yes. Yes. Oh, like we, a revision. We're, we're yeah, we're working on something, and and next season we may have the the home jersey, and and then um, the idea is we may be taking it uh, the away one to away games. But again, oh. that's these, these are things in plan, and they're not. You know, everything's fluid and moving, mm-hmm. so we're sort of sort of figuring some things out. Um, we got, and you know, we're working with the Canucks as well. They just um, one of the last, actually, it was the last game, March tenth, was um, was put together. They they offered a special package for the Church of Patterson followers, the fans, the people that are in our our mailing list, if you will. Right. And uh, it was $45 for a ticket. And they also got a free T-shirt. And, uh, and then we all met up and went to the game. And, I mean, this was, like I said, it was just before the corona, you know, coronavirus sort of really broke out and, and shut everything down. But uh, so it was the last game, last home game that they, uh, that we did. And it was, it was, it was good. We had... A decent turnout, but we also had you know some smart people who um, decided not to go to an arena full of you know eighteen thousand people. Okay. So um, so we sold about thirty tickets, and and we had about twenty three people show up, which um, which was fun. I mean, we had a lot of a lot of fun with everyone that showed up. So um, that was put together by the Canucks. And we are now in talks about doing that again for next season and uh, putting some sort of little package together so that people can come out, have some fun, you know, we're a silly, we got some other ideas on, on what we're going to put out there, you know, so we're thinking maybe like a, a Church Patterson hat or right. maybe another shirt or something else that, uh, you know, would be an identifier at the game and just, you know. That so you're part of that group. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you're part of that group, and you're just having some fun with that group. So, um, yeah, and we're we're also you know we there's there's a lot of things in in plans. It's it's weird because a lot of the a lot of the stuff that we we're going to do for this season is just you know we still had contests to give away, and and like our final one was going to be the last home game of the season. We had made a deal with. Um, the chief of uh, hockey operations, I think his name is. I can't remember the Budweiser guy. Oh yeah, yeah. And so that last last arrangement was going to be that we were going to uh, give away the two tickets and um, to the biggest fan, and then we were going to come and pick them up in the RV, the Budweiser RV that was wow. just stocked with beer, and then we we're going to drive them to the game. And you know, talk hockey, drink beer, get to the game, watch the game, back to the RV, drink some beer, and head back and drop them off at home. So it was going to be, you know, this, this, it was going to be, and we weren't telling anyone that. We were just saying, here's your tickets, and that's what you're getting. Right. But we were secretly arranging this whole thing, and I guess, you know, so I mean, obviously that's no longer a go. But um, yeah, so, I mean, there's there's a lot of a lot of things that we have uh, moving forward, um, and it's all going to be sort of, you know, based on, on 
fan interaction. And that's really what we want to do is get some positive fan interaction, especially at the games um, and and online. Um, mm-hmm. Last last season was fun because anytime anyone said something negative about Pedersen, there was someone in the following and in, in, in Canucks Twitter that noticed it and then would you know bring it up to our attention so that we can go in and make comment on it or you know and it was it just it got to be. And I think that's how it really started to grow organically was just through, you know, people interacting with one another. And so we really want to keep that. We don't want to, we don't want to try and go, uh, we've had people say, well, you should try and market it. You should try and, uh, you know, create things to get more people to invest into it. And I just want to take it organically and have some fun with it. There are the hardcore followers that, you know, they really want to be involved and they want a little bit more and we've set some stuff up for them. Um, so we have now we have the membership and for $40 they've, they've signed on. And so now they automatically are going to get anything that we create. Um, and they also get, so if we, you know, if we make more keychains, they're automatically going to get mailed one. They don't have to buy it. Um, they don't have to let us know. They don't have to do anything. It's just going to arrive. Um, so anything that we create, we're automatically going to include it. T-shirts, hats, whatever we're doing. Um, they also get a birthday card uh, from the Church of Pedersen. Hmm. And yeah, some neat things like that. So just to make it, because again, they're the hardcore following. Uh, it's not it's not something for everyone. And it's not something that we want to push on to everyone. Um, but for, you know, for that, that group, at least, it's there's something more for them, and and we recognize that they want that, and that's awesome. So, well, it's cool um, growth potential too, because I know, like, this isn't the first time that we've had different fans uh, create a cool concept and then work with the team as well. I mean, we've seen uh, around the 2011 run and years around that, we had the Green Men. Uh, just outside mm-hmm. the penalty box and fans love to rally around that but there was really no way to be uh, that I'm aware of anyways that they were able to be included in in that mm-hmm. and kind of build that and and at least for your following your uh, concept you're able to build that uh, discipleship if you would and and uh, mm-hmm. able to build that up into something that everybody can take part in it's cool that the Canucks have gone on board too as well I didn't realize that uh, that was something in collaboration with uh, the team itself, um, and that there's future plans as well for for them to be able to do that with you guys as well. So we could mm-hmm. just be seeing the the very birth of of the Church of Pedersen here, which is exciting. Yes, yes, no, it is. It's it's really exciting. It's a lot of like I said. There's a lot of plans in place. It's a lot of fun, and and I mean we're even getting involved with other um, super fans. In the NHL, so for example, there's a, a um, what's his name? I am the Predator, I think. Okay. So he's the Predator Superman, and he's like a wrestler guy, and he's got like the rest, wrestling mask. <laughs> Sweet. And uh, and so we're doing we're doing bets for uh, you know the bet was when the Canucks played the Predators, if the Predators won, I had to change my my um, my image to Peke Rennie. Right. 
and which which I had ready. It was a it was a it was a picture of Pecky ready, and it had little red horns and little red mustache, and I sort of defaced them, so it was fun. But um, <laughs> and then if if the Canucks won, he was going to make a video, basically worshiping Pedersen, awesome. and uh, <laughs> and so we won, obviously. And um, and yeah, so it was it was a lot of fun. He made the video and put it out there on Twitter, and and um, you know we just we've been having a good time with that. I mean, even uh, we're we're sort of we have about nine super fans, nine teams, super fans from nine teams, and uh, the idea is we're we're thinking of putting something together next season, sort of the league of super super fans. <laughs> That's and, sweet. Um, and then just have like little friendly encounters and bets and you know smack talk and whatnot um, between all the accounts uh, next season and and so we're really we're, it's something that we're starting we're sort of everyone's sort of excited about it and and on board but we really haven't figured out what the format's going to look like yet how are we going to we're going to actually lay it out so that's that's something that we we were going to talk about on the off season and. Uh, and get that all sort of set up for next season. So, but we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. That's that's something that's exciting and coming down the pipe. That's very cool. I know. Uh, like obviously, the situation right now is is less than ideal, but it does give more time for for potential planning and and different ideas for making next season that much more special. Uh, obviously, everybody's going to be very excited just to have hockey back in general, but. Uh, to be able to have different ideas to to make it that much better or ramp up like what you're doing your activity uh, all different uh, different ideas involving other fans those are all just going to make the experience even online just that much more fun and exciting and I think uh, the more that people are coming up with ideas like that and more people are involving fans and, and getting them involved in a positive way around the game uh, you're going to see more and more cool ideas come out and people uh, more willing to to kind of take their chance and, and try to create something. So it's pretty exciting to see uh, yourself and, and the Church of Patterson continue to grow and build uh, that concept, that brand, uh, and, and that following. And uh, obviously we're excited to have you here in, in the Canucks Nation and having a super fan that represents us and uh our excitement for patterson so uh i know like you were we were talking a little bit before we started recording about uh the the concept that uh, that you put into each of your tweets um like if patterson assisted on a goal it would be like you'd have a chapter in a in a verse for uh kind of like a holy text if you would for yep. for each goal that uh, Pedersen is involved in and uh, pretty exciting to just to see like how it started from from those kind of tweets and, and built off that from uh, the inspiration you got from Bick Nazar so that's that's awesome um, for like any last kind of thoughts like we've we've enjoyed having you on I love hearing the story of how you created this and, and your future plans on where you want to take it as well did you have any kind of closing thoughts on on uh, anything happening right now, the the idea around Church of Pedersen, anything you wanted to close this interview with? Um, I mean, ultimately, it's, you know, this the idea is 
I don't want to say it's mine, but the idea is is out there, mm-hmm. and it's it's not. Someone someone said to me that um, they saw another account. I can't remember where it was, Instagram or something like that. Someone created a Church of Pedersen account, and they're like, "All right, you, you should go and say something." I said, "You know what? This isn't. It's not mine, right? It's this is for everyone, and I would love nothing more than to see." everyone coming into the games and bringing their own twists on whatever and and you know if they want to take off our ideas awesome do it right and as long as there's that positive interaction with the fans and with the Canucks let's do it right I mean it's it's uh I told you already it's sort of that that quote from Batman where um I remember the quote now. It said, as a man, I'm flesh and blood. I can be ignored. I can be destroyed. But as a symbol, as a symbol, I can be incorruptible. And I can be everlasting. Mm-hmm. And so if everyone joins in and and is a part of that symbol, which is the crux, ultimately, then, then you know, that positivity is just going to overflow. And ultimately, I want to make... Well, it's my dream to make Rogers Arena that that arena that is the most difficult to play in again. There was a time when teams dreaded coming to our arena. And I would you know, if we can bring that energy, I think we have the talent on the ice to make um make that full circle come close around on our on our uh, opponents. So I love that. Ultimately that's the goal. That's the goal. Well, and I know like we've all seen this season in any of the tribute games or any of the special ceremony games, the Canucks would come out just firing because the crowd is amped and it yep. would just feed them. And if if the arena can get back to those days, and uh, like you and I remember them really well, of just how hard to play in this, uh, this arena was, if we can get back mm-hmm. to that, opponents will dread it again and both on and off the ice, they'll hate to come into Vancouver mm-hmm. as the opposition. So uh, thanks so much for joining us this week, and uh, thanks for all the work that you're continuing to put in, and we're excited to see where it goes from here. And uh, yeah. hope no, you're... Thank you for taking the time to speak to us. It's, uh, you know, it's a, right now is an exciting time, lots of growth, and uh, you know we're, we're very excited about sort of where this team is headed. Yeah, absolutely. Well, good things on the horizon right now. It's just... It's a little dark and grim right now, but there's lots to be excited about uh, for the season upcoming, even the off season. So uh, thanks so much for joining us again, and, and we'll talk soon here. You bet. Thank you. Introducing your second period guest from your Vancouver Canucks and the Vancouver Warriors, the game host, Tyson Geik. I welcome everybody to our second period portion. We've got Tyson Geik, who is the game host for the Canucks and for the Vancouver Warriors as well. 
a big lacrosse guy. I, myself, I don't know much about lacrosse. I, I want to get into it. That's one of the things that I want to get into next year once sports and everything resume back to normal. I want to learn what's happening in lacrosse more. But uh, thank you so much for joining us, Tyson. And uh, I know, obviously, conditions right now are less than ideal, uh, <laughs> to put it lightly. Uh, everything with uh, the COVID-19 situation, everything's down. But I'm determined this episode to kind of shine a light on uh, some positive things, uh, some things that we enjoy when everything is running. And one of the things there, of course, is the in-game experience that, that you are a big part of with the game host. So yeah. I uh, just wanted to kind of talk about some some different aspects of uh, your job there and and some cool stories, perhaps even how you got that job. Um, I don't know how what goes into what even goes into applying for and and landing a job like that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first off, thank you uh, very much for having me on, and um, and happy to join and you know talk about some positive subjects and kind of a dark time. But um, I guess I, I can start with how I got on board with the Canucks. Um, I, I came out West from living in Toronto uh, in November of 2018. And I was working for a radio station in uh, Comox, BC on the Island. And, um, you know, the, the goal was always to, to kind of work with an NHL team and, um, and make a move. And I fell in love with the West coast when I got out here. And I remember, I would say it was probably about uh, April or maybe even March that I was scrolling on the internet and came across an article by the Daily Hive saying that Hannah Bernard, um, the, the previous host of the Canucks, was no longer going to be with the team in the upcoming season. And I had a connection from uh, the Canucks organization from years prior. Uh, so it's funny how it all just kind of came about and I had that email kind of, you know, sitting within my email. So I reached out to my contact and I said, hey, listen, you know, I'm extremely interested in this. I've got a background in it. Um, would love to work this position. If you could keep me in mind, that would be great. And uh, just any consideration would be appreciated. And honestly, I didn't even expect to hear anything back. Um, I thought the, the organization might have had someone in mind and they had a direction that they wanted to go. But, um, you know, to my surprise, I got an email back from Mike Porley, who kind of took over a lot of the stuff with the uh, game entertainment this season. And he was, he's been quite the visionary. And, um, you know, I was, I was lucky enough to, to receive an email from him saying that they were going to be having auditions in August. And, um, you know, my coworker now, uh, Stephen Van Voot, uh, reached out and set something up. Um, just said we'd be in contact. We, we all kind of kept in touch over the next few months. And um, even at this point, you know, I, I still thought that um, I might not have had the greatest shot, but went in there and auditioned in August and things went really well. And, you know, I've been through this process a few times before. So I think that it kind of prepared me uh, really well. And uh, auditions are tough. You know, you, yeah. I, I can walk in to do a job and, you know, I'll still be nervous on, on a few first times, but auditions are a whole other beast. Um, you know, they can be scary. You get a lot of eyes on you. Uh, it's, it's make or break. You got one chance to kind of impress uh, a panel of people uh, sitting throughout the arena, and you don't even know where these eyes are kind of on you from. And, yeah, luckily all, all of the things went well, and, you know, a few weeks later I, I got a call from, um, from the Canucks and they said that they wanted to bring me on board and 
uh, I'm so thankful for for that position. Um, it's been absolutely incredible, and I'm a lucky guy to have got on board with it when I did. Coming on board for the uh, the 50th season with the team, uh, it was just such such an incredible year. I mean, you know, Sadine Knight specifically uh, was one of the great many great nights that we had this season but it, it was one that I'll never forget and I can just remember leaving that game I think we won two zip that night so coming off of a win was was awesome going up to sports bar with the staff and I was just it, just in, on such a high like it was um, probably the, the peak of the season so far and uh, this has been just you know something that I've, I've worked a long time to kind of get and I couldn't have found a better home coming to work for an organization like Connect Sports and Entertainment. I I can't say enough good things about the staff that I work with and the game presentation and how we've tried to take things to a bit of another level this year. And I'm honestly I'm I'm pleased to be a part of that. So um it, it kind of stinks that everything got put on hold. But yeah. um, when we do return, I think that, you know, we're going to be in a good position and you know, hopefully all the boys are healthy and we can make a push for the playoffs if the NHL decides to resume the season and, and not just cancel it because that would be uh, kind of devastating. It would be after everything. I know, like, watching even just from home, like, I, I live in Kamloops, so I don't get to experience the in-game action kind of on yeah. a regular basis, but... You could see just the quality overall of the entertainment in game has gone up exponentially over the last couple of years uh, to this year, um, and I know a lot of that has been in part to different changes that uh, either with the I believe it's a COO of entertainment is new in in for the Canucks and then bringing you on board and and the video is, is presentations are much stronger and it just seems overall that things were ramped up uh, huge for this season because of the weight of the season, of course, being the 50th, but also kind of a cool time because the the core of the team is so young and it's it's almost marking a new era. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the talent on the roster has kind of exceeded everyone's expectations and they've come together and they put a great season together you know it's been spotty at times but there's been flashes of brilliance and when this team really does come together and and gels they're going to be scary and I think the West is kind of ripe for the taking in the next coming years so if it's not this year um, I'm very confident that in the next you know two three seasons this team can be making a serious push uh Obviously, signing Markstrom is going to be uh, a bit of a challenge because he's put together such a fantastic season. But you got an all-star goaltender in him, and he has put the team on his back on a number of nights. And having a good goaltender in the NHL is imperative if you want to put together a championship season. So I think the Canucks have a great one in him, and there are a lot of members on that team who, when they're clicking, they're they're amongst the best of the NHL. And, um, and I think you're going to continue to see that improve uh, over, you know, over the years. But, you know, to go back to game presentation, you just see like new light shows. Um, 
the vibe and just the energy in the arena, like trying to kind of hype it up and do things in between uh, TV timeouts that, that get people on their feet and cheering. Like we want to make Rogers arena more of a crazy atmosphere to go and watch a game. And I think the game presentation team so far this season has, has done a great job in that. And, um, and I think, you know, there's been some organizations across the NHL that have kind of paved the way for this new style of game presentation. And I think that uh, you look at like the Nashville Predators or specifically the Vegas Golden Knights who changed a lot of people's way of, of thinking about things. And I think that's um, that, that shifted uh, kind of the, the way that the Canucks wanted to do things. And I, I think it's been great. And the feedback that I've gotten and what I've heard from the fans on a nightly basis when they're talking about things, is they're pretty happy with it. Um, everyone likes the, the energy in the arena now and uh, it's becoming more uh, of a crazy barn to play in for uh, opposing teams coming in. So I think that's uh, that's pretty important. But um, I think, you know, this time off is going to give game presentation teams some things to work on as well. And um, uh, I know that we're able to kind of review some of the different uh, things that work for other teams across the NHL. Uh, during this break, they've made kind of the... Um, the, the game from start to finish on the Jumbotron feed, if, if you will, available to all of us across the league so we can kind of see what works and maybe pick best practices. But, uh, cool. yeah, there's there's some exciting things uh, to come for sure. So there's new, like, new in-game things that they're tweaking, like potentially taking ideas from other teams right now that they're they're looking to implement? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's just taking from other teams uh, so much as, you know, looking for inspiration. And um, like I said, there have been some teams who have done a a fantastic job with different activations in games and the way that they integrate their sponsors. Um, And when it comes to stuff with the mascot, like I love what Finn does. Uh, The fans love him. It's it's funny to see, you know, 45-year-old guys extremely (laughs) excited to see Finn the mascot. Um, But... But, you know, our mascot is one of the best in the NHL, and I think um, I, I think he needs even more of a platform. But yeah. if you look at Gritty um, with the Philadelphia Flyers, you know, it, his his in-game presentation and what he's doing throughout the game is, is incredible. So if we're able to kind of draw and, and get inspiration from some of the things that he does and maybe get Finn doing those things or just coming up with their own things for Finn, I think uh, you know, the fans are really going to respond well to that. Yeah, kind of giving him a, a platform to show off some personality and and uh, giving him that platform to uh, to show off how cool he is because he is a cool mascot to have. And yeah, I know like for myself, I grow I grew up in northern BC, yeah. uh, so I small town Houston BC, and and they did an alumni kind of game up in Smithers, just forty five minutes away, and I okay. remember Finn coming up there and. And that was some of my earliest like hockey memories was going to a tournament and Finn was there and yeah. and just how cool that was to be able to take photos with him and, and meet him. But uh, I think it's great that uh, the Canucks are ramping that up. I know at the beginning of the season or before the season started, I, I wrote a two-piece article um, talking about different things that the Canucks can do uh, to improve the in-game experience and their connection to fans outside the arena as well. And I was really surprised to see throughout the season that a lot of those things that I had wrote about actually ended up being used and kind of coincidentally, of course, I'm sure they had a lot of those already in the works, but it was cool to see a lot of those ideas kind of come to life that way. And, 
And yeah. I feel that Canucks fans do feel more connected now. I would say so for sure. It seems that way. Uh, I will say that, you know, when I went in for my audition and I spoke with uh, my boss, Jason Steensma, who's been, um, he's just such a great leader and, uh, and a great guy to work for. But I spoke with him and I said, you know, I've been around the NHL, the, the different arenas. I think at the time I'd been to 18 different arenas and I, I kind, of, kind of seen what worked in, in different arenas. And I wanted to kind of, implement a lot of that with the Canucks and it just so happened honestly like you said maybe kind of coincidentally but they had the exact same idea in mind and and that's why I think you know everything just kind of clicked and um the direction that they wanted to go is exactly what, what I had in mind obviously I was going to take their cue and do whatever they wanted but um it, I think that's kind of why it's it's worked so well is because Everything that uh, that they wanted to do, you know, I had in mind too, and it's um, it, it makes kind of working and doing things a lot easier. Yeah, it makes you feel a lot more part of things when you have the same vision. Everybody's rowing the boat in the same direction, so that's pretty cool. Absolutely. One of the things like that you've been able to do a lot throughout this season with all the tribute nights and everything is is have the opportunity to talk to different alumni and in game and. Uh, has there been kind of a standout interview or meeting of, a, of an alumni player that has stood out to you? Oh, man. I mean, you know, as I previously mentioned, like there are so many Canucks legends that I, I've been able to speak with, and they're all just they're great people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I can't say enough good things about all the alumni that I've had the chance to interview. I think I can start with Kevin Bieksa. I mean, this right. guy <laughs> is a charismatic guy. I think he's really going to crush it on sports. And I think they've got him doing a lot more stuff now. But he's just so natural. And I think if you watch the Sedin retirement night, his speech at the beginning. Yeah. But I was like, does this guy perform at Yuck Yucks down the street in Vancouver too? Like, he's a comedian. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> and you know, he, he's just so natural and genuine. And he's like that off camera too can't say enough good things about that guy so i think that was my first interview with a, a canucks alumni and uh and it was a great place to start but um having the, you know the sedines senior retirement night like i said speaking with both daniel and henrik that was pretty cool mm-hmm. uh, i think trevor lynn it was a guy that i grew up watching and having him come over like he's just got this presence about him he, he he's just he's a leader um he's very well spoken he kind of puts you at ease when he comes over and speaks with you as well so first time meeting him you know, i've got maybe a minute to speak with him before we go actual to, to live on camera and and uh it, we just had a quick chat and he, he put me at ease like i said and, and we had a great interview but i think you know one of my favorites um was probably marcus nasland and that's just because hmm. uh Nazi's Canucks are my favorite to grow up and watch. I watched that that West Coast Express line. They were so so exciting, and um, yeah, I don't know. It was just like a kind of a dream come true. Like I don't get really starstruck with the players that are currently in the NHL. Maybe Alex Ovechkin would be the only one who I would be shaking in my boots a little bit for. But um, it, it, for the older guys, the alumni that are coming in, like Marcus Naslin, like that's a guy that I, I used to play with and. In NHL, the EA sport growing up, and um, I, I use the Canucks all the time. And, and you know, th- that series of Canucks historically were probably my favorite. So, getting the chance to speak with him is really cool. That is really cool. I know that was the era that I grew up in as well. Yeah. Was was watching Naslin and Bertuzzi and Morrison, and 
and watching the West Coast Express era. And it was, it was extremely exciting. And I, I always felt deep down that that team deserved more than what they ended up with. And I agree. I agree. I think, you know, I, I look back at, it was in 2002, and I think the Canucks were up two to zip in that series. And Nicholas Lidstrom, I don't know if I'm bringing up any bad memories <laughs> for Canucks fans, but he steps but, over the red line and yeah. claps one by Dan Cloutier. And it was from that point on that the momentum of the series changed. Obviously, the Red Wings went on to take out the Canucks and then went on route to the Stanley Cup. But for some reason, I know it's 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 not a game of you know one goal and you've got to be able to bounce back from it. But there was something about that goal that, that really you know shifted the momentum in the series one and and just kind of the Canucks' hopes. Yeah, and I think uh, I, I think that's what I look to when 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 you say you know I think they deserved a little bit more. Well, I think about that, and then I th- like I think about uh, the Minnesota series where, uh, like, you hear about Bertuzzi going around and telling everybody at at uh, XL Energy Center to to don't even bother buying tickets; it's over. <laughs> and, uh, like it was at that point in time, yeah. it was all Canucks, yeah. and there was no way in just by watching that you thought that Minnesota was ever going to come back, and and then they ended up doing so, and. Uh, there's just it seemed like there was a couple things every year that ended up derailing the magic that yeah. that I felt was earned anyways and I, I think like looking back historically like every main team like we had the 90s had their run and that was the Trevor Lynn and Pavel Burry era and then you had the West Coast Express didn't really get that run and yeah. and that's heartbreaking that they didn't even get really a crack at at the cup that way well, it's funny, you know, we've broken things down into decades this season, right? And you look mm-hmm. at the 90s, they had a big run in the 90s. And then it, you're right, it, it was that kind of like chunk through the, the 2000s where there, there wasn't that big run, unfortunately. And then, of course, you did have it in, in 2011, so it kind of skipped that decade. Yeah. But, yeah, if I could turn back time, that, that would have been a team that I would like to have seen it for, for sure. Yeah, Absolutely. I know, like, uh, watching your interviews, you have such great questions right on the spot in such very short periods of time, like like you said, a couple minutes long interviews. Uh, I One that jumps to mind right away was uh, an interview that you had with Kirk McLean, yeah. and you were asking him if there was a particular save that or game that he felt was his best game uh, of his career, and I thought that was such an interesting question uh, to ask somebody kind of post-career to to look back on uh so especially somebody as illustrious as as kirk mclean how did you kind of come up how do you come up with the questions that you want to ask do you write them in advance or they are you helped with them or yeah we've got with our game presentation team there's a lot of stuff that that kind of goes into that right so i've got uh kind of a skeleton of questions um just some ideas that that i could ask uh the players that I'm going to be speaking with and it all depends on kind of you know what visuals we might have to put up on the jumbotron at the same time right i think this it's kind of unique in the interviews that i've been doing i don't think i've ever really done this where it's like a tv interview but then you hear the reverb of yourself you know kind of going throughout the arena and, and you hear that echo and then everyone's kind of watching down on you both from the jumbotron and then down when you're kind of standing by the glass, so it's it, it's it's different than anything I've ever really done. But I'll get I'll get kind of a series of questions before, 
Um, there's some things that, that I have to ask because, you know, it's going to be shown kind of up on the board and it needs to kind of relate to that. Um, but then, you know, there's some fine tuning too, uh, heading up to that, whatever interview it may be, I'll, I'll kind of, you know, change the flow of the questions or you got to be on your feet because a lot of the times, you know, you can ask a guy a question and he can answer your second question even before you've asked it in, in his right. first answer. So you, you just have to be on your feet. Um, follow-up questions in journalism are um, kind of a skill, one that I've honestly yet to master, but it is something that uh, you need to be really good about and just be on your feet and, and ready to kind of bounce back if, if they, uh, they throw you off the rails. Yeah, I can only imagine how difficult that would be with prepared questions. Like if you go in, you have a, your skeleton of questions, and like you said, they answer multiple questions that you had, potentially even all of them that you have just in their one answer. Now you got to quickly come up on the spot and, and ask a follow-up question based off of what they gave there and related to the video, which I, I didn't actually think about that part where you would have a tie-in on the Jumbotron as well that you would have to kind of collaborate with as well. So that's that's pretty cool. I, I know um, like with everything that's happening right now, we obviously appreciate having you on here and, and being able to talk with you for just a few moments about uh, your journey and what it's like in your day to your day to day job. Um, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Was there anything that you wanted to kind of close on, or any final comments that you wanted to share with us? Yeah, I mean, um, first off, thanks for for taking the time and giving me kind of a platform to speak. It's uh, it's been great chatting with you, and and I do appreciate it. And you know, to any Canucks fans who who might be listening, I, I want to say you know thank you for the support and kind of welcoming me into the uh, Canucks family, I guess, because coming in at first, you know, taking over for an in-ring host, you did a great job for five previous seasons. It's not necessarily the, the easiest thing to do. And in my experience, hockey fans don't necessarily like change very much. So coming in, I think, you know, there are those growing pains at first and you need to kind of uh, get people to trust you and you need to be genuine and, I like to think that uh, that I was able to do that, and and you know I've seen um, I don't know I, I just I just feel leading up to obviously this terrible stuff that's been going on and the, the cancellation or the, the postponement of the season um, I, I was really feeling uh, welcomed by the fans uh, and it, it's been really cool so unfortunate that this is all here right now and hopefully we can just get it back to this season uh, as soon as possible. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know when they would uh, they would think of resuming it, but um, let, let's get your take on it. What do you think would happen if they were to start the season in, say, August and uh, just try to come up with a quick conclusion? Like uh, to this season? Yeah. What, what's your prediction? Well, my prediction would be that like first off, unfortunately, I think that the season will be canceled just because I I know that they won't want to mess with next season as well. And if if the season comes back in say July or August, now you're now there's questions about your draft, uh, your off season, uh, the free agency period, uh, different restricted free agency periods, arbitration rights, uh, training camps. Uh, so then I would think if they did decide to come back in the summer and, and conclude the season with playoffs, 
that we would probably see next season start later, uh, potentially like a December or late November start to the season and then try to do an abbreviated season and then uh, try to wrap things up so that things can go back to normal in the summer of 2021. But that would be that would be my prediction on that. Yeah, I've heard August floating around. I don't know what it would look like if it was just a condensed. You know, how many how many games did we have left to go before the playoffs? Not many. Not many. So yeah, it was like eleven, I believe. Yeah, something like that. And I know like a lot of people have been kind of tossing around the idea of like everybody plays up to seventy three games. So some teams are already there. Some teams need a couple more. Like the Canucks would need four more. Yep. Yep. Um, and then at that point, or or seventy two games, one of the two, um, and then at that point they would call it and do the playoffs off of that. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, as a Canuck fan, I want to see them either do that or do point percentage because then that would mean that they are in the playoffs and we do get to see some playoff action right away. Uh, read stuff about different formats for that, either switching it to like a five game series uh, or best of five or. Uh, doing kind of almost a March Madness breakdown where more teams are in the playoffs than typical and they kind of have to weed through that and and get there. But either way, I just really hope uh, hockey comes back soon. I hope we get to see you in the the arena again soon. And uh, either way, just I want a hockey back. (laughs) The more and more I talk about hockey, the more I miss it. Absolutely. We're all on the same page. But uh, once again, thanks for having me on. And and, uh, to all the Canucks fans, thank you. And hopefully we're back soon. Sounds great. Thanks so much for joining us, Tyson. Anytime. Take care. Yep. I'd like to introduce myself. Hi there. My name is Martian. I'm out this world. It's on my chest. Superman. Like it's plural. Call me extra, extra. Terrestrial. Extra, extra, extra. Terrestrial. Introducing our final guest from the Trust the Process podcast, Jordan Bowman. All right, everybody, welcome to the third period segment of the Area 51 Hockey Podcast. In a late rally, Jordan Bowman with the victory, winning the third period slot. Part of the TTP show, as well as at the movies 10 years later podcast a fellow podcaster somebody that's running multiple podcasts jordan how's it going today it's going well it's going well you are added to the very short list of people who actually use my full first name i saw you did on twitter the other day as well I'm like ooh, okay you're like who is he talking about yeah everybody just call you jay uh, no, it's like most people just call me Bowman or Bo, and it's been that way for most yeah. of my life. I have some childhood friends, like some some OG friends that I grew up with that like they call me Jordan, but it's a very small group. And then the girlfriend and my mother and my family call me Jordan, but that's basically where it stops. It's <laughs> Bowman or Bo, J-Bo. I don't really get called J like that often either. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's Jordan's pretty rare, so... Yeah, we're pretty familiar with each other, I guess. Yeah, right on. Yeah, first name basis all of a sudden. There you go. I, know. I was going to say, if it's if it's Jay, that's that's confusing for me because there's two of you then on the TTP show. It's you and Jay Swig that, that many would refer to as Jay. So you got to come up with something different than Jay, which I did, yeah, I did not, you have, so that's good. I did not know when I selected this as my professional name years and years and years ago that I'd ever be involved with another Jay and Jay Swig. So, yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, good pickup though. I mean, good free agent after a couple what a couple years ago now, a year or two ago. But, uh, uh, Jay left. joined. Yeah, the Jay joined. Uh, yeah, probably uh, we were just before, I think, our first year, or maybe just after we did our first year on Trust the Process on Save on Radio. Uh, Jay, who's the program director for Save on Radio, uh, was always, like, you know, giving us really good encouragement, giving us, you know, ideas for how we can make the show better. Jay was an avid listener, like, beforehand, and then me and him had a had a sit down at Brown's and discussed him coming on board, like, in a producer capacity. And, man, that completely changed the uh, the game uh, of our show from a technical standpoint, uh, where I'm not having to worry about queuing up sound cues and going through our outline and stuff, because I'm not very good at it. So, and he was nice enough to make me not feel like I'm really bad at it. But even <laughs> things like the loop that I made for our theme song, which would play as we open, like it wasn't the cleanest loop there could have been. And he was just like, man, it drives me crazy. Like I might be the only yeah. person to notice it, but you got to reloop this theme song. And I'm like, it's fine. Jay, it's fine. It's fine. It sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, but... I know uh, when I was I was telling you before we started recording that I reached out to Jay uh, before I started the solo adventure of uh, Area 51 and to ask him what what I could do to make it sound better because uh, bad quality it turns everybody off, turned me off. It it bothers everybody, but at the same time. I felt bad asking him because the product that I was coming to him with, I was like, oh man, this isn't, this isn't good. Like he's going to hate this. (laughs) (laughs) He's a super, super helpful guy though. And Sean, if there's one thing I would say about your show that you should never, ever, ever change, it's your voice, man. You have the most relaxing show like in the market right now it is so soothing <laughs> to listen to you should do like asmr stuff like because I, I listened to your show obviously I've listened to your show for a long time uh awesome. you guys came in like what last summer wasn't it right it was it's, yeah so it, we yeah, came in around the draft so yeah a little bit changed, before the draft changed a little bit like since then but uh yeah i was obviously catching up with your last episode and i am yeah, a listener of your show and yeah your voice is so relaxing and very very nice so <laughs> never change that that's rare. I love it. Uh, awesome. Yeah, I've had uh, I've had a couple of people tell me that I could probably tell them stories and lull them to sleep with my voice, but uh, maybe there's a future for me in in telling some ASMR uh, voiceovers. Do recaps of losses. Like if they got blown out like seven one by the Senators or something, and I'm all yeah. wired fired up about it and stuff and i pop in uh episode or area 51 to listen to the recap you're like well everybody um that didn't go the way it should have gone and i'm like okay i'm starting to come down off of this yeah, <laughs> yeah. bring everybody's levels bring down. Everybody back down yeah so here's some in-depth analysis of why it, it went so bad yeah. <laughs> no that's awesome man. i appreciate that you listen in and and I've been a big fan of your guys' show. Obviously, you guys have covered a little bit of everything uh, for a while now. I love you guys bringing Eddie Lack on. Uh, obviously, a fan favorite here in Vancouver uh, during his tenure here. And nobody has really ever forgotten Eddie Lack. Or his impact has been uh, long-lasting. And now he's in Arizona uh, coaching down there uh, when they do have hockey. Uh, so what has it been like working with, like, Wyatt, who's with at the athletic and and doing big things there and then having eddie come onto the show as well you guys have a lot happening right now at ttp 
Yeah, I don't know where Wyatt finds the time, to be perfectly honest. That is, <laughs> he is the hardest working person I think I've ever met in my life. That guy hustles and deserves every ounce of, you know, success that he's, that he's gotten over the, uh, over the years. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's great. Obviously him and Eddie have a pretty good relationship, um, I'm kind of just a, an accessory to that, I would uh, I would suppose. But uh, yeah, because they used to online game and stuff with each other. And Eddie was great back with uh, Legion of Broadcast, a show that we did uh, ages ago. Um, Eddie, when he was with Chicago, and he was here like rehabbing for after hip surgery, I believe. Eddie came over to Wyatt's basement suite, and we hung out. We played some FIFA. Um, he was a guest on our show then. Uh, he still to this day, this is like eight or nine years ago. Still to this day, he won't let me live down the fact that I ordered chicken strips from a Greek restaurant. Uh, they were delicious. <laughs> they were really good. And I love chicken strips. So what are you going to do? But uh, yeah, and he did our show and everything. And it was just weird to see a couple years later, like we're in the room with him and he's the starting goalie for the Vancouver Canucks. And we were just, you know, shooting uh you know, shooting the breeze, playing FIFA and making fun of each other's dietary choices. Uh, not that long prior to that. So and then he was gone. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. I, OK, now I have to ask, are you somebody that orders chicken strips from like any restaurant that he'll go to? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. OK. It's it's like it's a layup. It's such a low risk food. And if I'm at a restaurant and I'm like paying for food, I want to make sure that I satiate my hunger. So I want to stick in the realm of something that I know is going to be good. Even a bad chicken strip is like actually like pretty good. But if I take the risk with something and I get it and it's not good, not only am I, oh, I'm not satisfied, but also I had to pay for this. You don't get any takesies backsies at restaurants if you don't like something. Well, maybe you do, but I don't want to run the risk sending anything back (laughs) to the kitchen. I'm not that guy at all. So, uh, yeah, I'll usually go with chicken strips, and there's been a couple, you know, people like, oh, would you order them on a first date with somebody? I'm like, heck yeah, I would. That tells me everything I need to know about her if she's going to judge me about my chicken strip choice. So, yeah. That's, that's fair. That's fair. I had, so I have a story about that. So we were at uh, my sister-in-law's grad, and my my grandparents-in-laws, they, uh, they're from, like, kind of the Vernon area there. And they were asking me about like what's what's your favorite restaurant in Kamloops? Like what's your what's your go-to spot? So if we travel out there, we know a good spot. And I'm like, oh man, you know, there's there's so many great mom and pop places. Like depends on what kind of food you like. And and so I kind of th- rambled off like a couple that I liked, and and I asked them. I was like, okay, for you, like in Vernon, what's what's the go-to spot? A and W. They told me that their favorite restaurant was A and W, and that the chicken strips were to die for. And then they asked me if Kamloops had any A and Ws, and I didn't really know how to respond. <laughs> I say like in the interior, like A and W is the one that's around the most. Like you know, the, yeah, the girlfriend's everywhere. Nelson, so we go up to Nelson every once in a while. So it's a pretty long drive, and you're going through some uh, some pretty boony uh, like counties and stuff, and like little tiny cities, and like. A and W is the one that's constant throughout. I would kill to be in Cash Creek and hit and hit a Wendy's or something. Wendy's is my favorite. Right. I love Wendy's. But Wendy's, uh, yeah. no, it's always you're gonna have a Tim Hortons and you're gonna have an A and W in all of these little uh, all these little cities. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, like I grew up in Houston, which there's about I want to say two thousand, maybe twenty five hundred people there, mm-hmm. and we had a A and W. We didn't have a Tim Hortons, but we had an A and W and we had a Subway and yeah. 
that was that was pretty much it. That's the the staples. So I would be absolutely floored if there's a Canadian town out there that has no A and W. That's I'd actually be, like a real town. That'd be the weirdest be thing. Like, I remember. I remember when I was uh, in my twenties, we used to go on border runs all the time down to uh, to Jack in the Box. Uh, I mean, you know, somebody would somebody would say it. It'd be like one o'clock in the in the morning or like just after midnight, and somebody would say, "Hey." I should go for a sourdough jack right now. And then once it's inception, once that's in everybody's heads, now we can't get it out. So we would find, you know, the soberest person, uh, you know, make sure somebody could drive. And we would load in the car. We would blare uh, Tarzan Boy by Baltimore. That was the song. And we would go down across the border and the border guards would stop us, obviously, and be like, hey, so what are you guys going down for? Uh, We're going down to uh, Jack in the Box. That's it. Yep, we don't have it up here. And they let us through, like, every time, obviously. But there was one time, I think, we were crossing in, like, Aldergrove, and the border guard was, like, this old-timey, like, kind of sheriff. He was, like, leaning back at his, like, on his chair. And then the other guy's like, huh, why don't you guys go down there when you got to uh, A&W? And then one, one of the border guards like, A&W? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, they got the, uh, the Burger family. What's the Burger family? And then these two have a conversation. Like, well, you got the Grandpa Burger. That's got your three patties, and you got your your teen burger. That's got the one patty, and your pot. And he just breaks down the burger family while we're all in the car, just kind of like you know, can we can we turn our music back up and go get sourdough jacks, please? So yeah, A and W man. He had it all. He had it all memorized. Like we've seen all the ads, but if somebody told asked me about the difference between like a mama and papa burger, I don't think I'd be able to tell them. Yeah, he just leaned back in his chair like the Southern Sheriff and, you know, had his belly out. Well, you got this and you got this. And, yeah, the other guy was like, I'm going to try that. I'm like, yeah, great, fellas. We'd like to go, please. <laughs> Secretly working for them. I love it. Yeah. I know. I think I, I've been to Jack the Box once ever. And I was convinced to go because they were they had, like, you could have five tacos for, like, two bucks or something ridiculous. Like, the ha- there's no places like that up here that you could get. No. So, like, no. like eating fast food in the states is so dangerous because it's all so cheap. Oh. Jack in the Box, especially, yeah. Like you know, there's a lot of things going on in the uh, you know in the world right now and stuff. But sometimes, whenever I'm at like a fast food place, you can always tell when things are going not super great with me because uh, I get like side poutine. And whenever like you, whenever you order, you're like, okay, let's say it's Burger King for example. I was like, oh, I'll get a waffle with cheese meal, um, you know, king size with a root beer to drink and a poutine as well, please. And they're like, poutine instead of the fries. And you just have to kind of solemnly go, no, on the side. <laughs> oh, additional poutine and the fries. Poutine yeah. and the fries. That's you know, that's the kind of mood things are in right now. But you know, try and keep it light it and everything. So yeah. Yeah, I know that's that's pretty crazy. I know for like we've been talking about obviously the facts of the coronavirus and and how it's changed everything. You and I are both in podcasting talking about primarily sports and none of it around. How have you guys found kind of adapting or continuing your show uh, with this all going on right now? Well, we've always just kind of had a bit of a basis in nonsense. Uh, since we even doing the old like Legion of Blogcast back in the day when we were with the province. So it's obviously it's been difficult. I mean, we spin off of so many tangents from sports. Sports is the starting point. Uh, so the fact that there is no sports still has a pretty heavy impact on us. Uh, we cover a lot on Trust the Process. We cover the Canucks, the NHL, NFL, NBA. We're big Sixers fans. Movies, music, TV, pop culture, like all of it. And it's all pretty much affected. The only thing I would say that isn't right now which is weird is the nfl uh 
it's this is nothing for them because they're still in their off season. They're not going to start their optional workouts until the summer. You know, preseason in August, season starts in September. So they kind of exist in this weird pocket outside of this, where it's like all this stuff is shutting down. All these sports are done. They canceled the spelling bee this year. I'm devastated about that. We're big spelling bee folks. But you can do that remotely. That's all I'm saying. You can do that remotely. You can. Uh, you can do that. Remotely. Come on, let's let's not take everything away. But then here comes the NFL with oh. Tom Brady's going to Tampa Bay, and this person got signed to this contract, and oh, this person got traded. I'm like, y'all know that there's other stuff happening, right? So it's yeah. uh, so our first episode uh, with everything on like lockdown. Man, we got so much NFL to talk about. <laughs> That's fair. I know. Like, it felt weird getting uh, like the alerts on my phone. It feels like every company that I've ever unfortunately given my email to is is emailing me about COVID-19 and how they're responding to it for whatever reason that matters to me uh, but then also on top of that I'm getting all this free agency news and trades from the NFL yeah. uh, I mean it just feels kind of surreal to see everything so dystopian and then and then have the NFL just go regularly yeah just everyday business, nothing's changed. I hear about Philip Rivers going to the Colts. It's like there's no <laughs> hockey. Like, they, took I, the <laughs> they took away the spelling. I know for myself, I'm not uh, like a big NFL buff. I try to keep up on things as much as I can, but uh, and I'd like to get into it more. But I know with Tom Brady obviously being the biggest move going to the box. What are your kind of quick thoughts on? on that move pretty groundbreaking for all sports uh yeah it's uh it's crazy i never thought it would happen uh like tom brady played for the patriots for like 20 years right and he's got nothing left to accomplish there a lot of people were saying after his last ring why didn't he retire and everything like that and i have you know no doubt in my mind that i have a lot of respect for tom brady i don't you know not a patriots fan at all but here's a guy who you know was told he'd be nothing He'd be lucky to even be a third stringer in the NFL. Managed to get in there, um, play in a great system, be arguably the greatest quarterback of all time, won the most Super Bowls, all this stuff. He's living his dream right now that he was basically told all throughout like college that this is all you're ever going to be. And he's so far exceeded that. Why would somebody who's such a competitor like that not hang on as long as he possibly can? Like, he's not no, like... Not like he was groomed like Peyton Manning from the very start. Like, you're going to be star in the NFL. You're going to win titles. You're going to be like, Tom Brady, this is always his dream. And he was essentially all the way through told that you're only going to be like a, a C-level player. And, you know, he was lucky enough to, you know, become much more than that. So I, I have no, you know, surprise at all that he's decided to, like, hang up. I thought potentially leaving the Patriots would maybe do it and, you know, um, exacerbate his uh thoughts of retirement but no man that guy's a competitor and he's gonna he's gonna keep going and it's a really interesting situation in tampa bay uh they have you know a good young team there's a lot of talent there especially at wide receiver um they got a good tight end in uh, oj howard and also their defense like finished sixth in the NFL last year. So, and Bruce Arians is their head coach. Uh, he used to coach the Cardinals. I've been a Bruce Arians guy for a while. So there's a lot of things in place for him in Tampa Bay where he can still be very successful. It was a bit of an off year for him last year, but the guys, like a couple of years removed from winning the Super Bowl, like, yeah. Go. Well, and it's, 
like you said, kind of the perfect storm for him in, in Tampa. When I first saw it, I, I thought that was really random, right? Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, the box just paid up big, uh, which they did. But yeah. that that would be kind of the main purpose of it. But the more I looked at the move and the team itself around the Buccaneers, uh, like you said, they're sixth-rated defense. They have the wide receiver options. They made it work even with Jameis Winston uh, as much as they could anyways. Yeah. And now adding a future obvious Hall of Famer first ballot in Tom Brady, that completely changes the game for Tampa Bay. And so that could be huge, huge next season for them. Yeah, it really does. And it's like it works so well for everybody. I mean, I think the Chargers were in on it. There was early rumors that like Vegas would make a run at Tom Brady and stuff as well. But I think Brady made uh, the right call to go to a team that's on the on the upswing. Not just, like, for the money, but also if you're Tampa Bay, and this is just general to, like, all sports, it's, the investment is already paying off. There was, like, a, like, 900% spike or something in their season tickets, um, their merch, or maybe it was in the merchandise or something. There was, like, a huge spike in season tickets and merchandise sales as soon as the deal was made official. Like, Mm. If I'm running the Tampa Bay franchise, even though the guy's best days are behind him, who knows what he's able to do on the field for the next two years, what that's going to do for the value of my franchise, having that guy in there, I mean, that's already paying off. Well, look at the free agent attention that they're starting to get. Like, so many people are wanting or connecting different top free agents to the Buccaneers now because who wants to play with Brady? Well, everybody. So now it's just a matter of what pieces can they bring in to be part of, of this run. And yeah, uh, from a merchandise standpoint, I think the Bucs have some of the best gear, best colors. I, I've been sad because they have just atrocious teams for so long, but they have awesome uniforms. You like the uh, calculator numbers, do you? Actually, you know what? They kind of work for me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think I would like that, but yeah, it kind of works for me. <laughs> <laughs> they gotta do. I want to. I gotta see Tom Brady in that throwback creamsicle orange with yes. that classic, like the Buccaneer pirate with the dagger in his mouth. I gotta see Tom Brady rocking that uniform at some point this year. That'd be awesome. Yeah, there's some underrated uniforms in the NFL that I mean they haven't had good teams for a long time, but like the Dolphins, I love that colorway. Uh, yeah. hard to hard to top the the teal and orange yeah uh, lots of teams like that that have such fantastic setups but you never really get to see them or appreciate them properly because they just suck <laughs> to be honest <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're just terrible yeah, yeah. so I'm, I'm thankful that there's nfl news for us to sink our teeth into on uh, trust the process but aside from that like i'm not terribly concerned i know why it isn't either because we're like we're great friends we have been for a long time like the show is not just you know, okay, red light goes on and this is how we are. Like, we, we're on the SkyTrain together and we talk in that same way. We've never been hard up for things to talk about. Uh, Wyatt loves tormenting me with a lot of trivia challenges and games and having me eat stuff. Uh, that might be a little <laughs> bit tougher. Uh, I think on the last episode, he did uh, he quizzed me on the Fast and Furious movies. Uh, and if I got a question wrong, I had to eat uh, some saltines. And I wasn't allowed water until the quiz was over. So, which is a lot tougher tougher than it than it sounded when he initially pitched it but he's always got me drinking stuff or eating spicy chips or you know the jelly bean infamous jelly bean episode of course so yes of course 
Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I know with you guys, you guys have all sorts of topics that you touch on. So you guys are always have something to talk about, even in the midst of, I don't know, whatever you want to call this, the pandemic, the end of the world, whatever you, state you were in uh, on the panic meter. Uh, so it's been awesome to kind of listen to you guys and see that nothing's changed there that way, even though right. there's no hockey and there's no basketball one question I do have to ask you before we jump into our shootout round. How did you guys become Sixers fans? It just okay. seems so random to me that you guys <laughs> became Philadelphia Sixers fans. Okay, so when I was when I was younger, I really liked I really liked Allen Iverson. And I've got uh, I've got two Iverson jerseys from my from my younger days. So I liked Allen Iverson a lot. Um I wasn't, you know, the hugest NBA fan, to be honest, like I love the NCAA tournament. I love March Madness, uh, which, by the way, is also canceled. Just you know, yeah, uh, yeah. things are going great. <laughs> hey, hey, things are going great. Um, it's a good time so, right now. Yeah, it's a good time. Uh, so, so there was that, and then uh, I was enamored with the process of them just openly tanking in order to like build this team to have a long window and have a long run. I mean, it, it hadn't been done that publicly in sports before, but then that just message of, you know what, trust the process. This is what we're doing. Uh, Stan Hickey, the guy who was responsible for all that, unfortunately didn't get to see it come to fruition because he got clipped like midway through. They were like, they were done with losing, which is so heartbreaking to see that go down that way. But uh, still, his fingerprints are all over it. So when we were starting the show, um, like Trust the Process, we were going over names and stuff for it. And uh, it was interesting because the Canucks were seemingly in a similar position with like Trevor Linden as president. And basically, you know, there was the team tank and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, there's pros and cons to all of it. But the main message throughout is, you know what, like, trust the process. This is what's going to happen. It's going to get a little bit worse before it gets better. And that's okay. That was something to cling on to from like a hope standpoint. So as the Canucks have been getting better, the Sixers are kind of on that like upswing where they've got Ben Simmons, they've got Joel Embiid, like it's all starting to pay off for them. They won on a, I wouldn't say a great run last year, but that game against the Raptors, that series against the Raptors was phenomenal. Oh, uh, so, so that also helped us that we had, you know, Canucks didn't make the playoffs last year, haven't made it for a couple of years, but you know what? We've had Sixers playoffs and we got super into it last year. Like why it was kind of tertiary involved with like 70 series. That was like, he loved Embiid, always did, but it wasn't until last year's playoff run. We're watching all these games together and we're covering it where he's like, you know what? Like I'm getting, I'm really, really into this. And he's got jerseys and hats and stuff now too. Awesome. <laughs> I've got jerseys and hats. So um, yeah. And it's just, it's a, it's a weird thing to be a Canucks and 76ers show, but uh, it fits perfectly with, uh, with us. So. Oh, that's awesome. I know from a Raptors fan perspective, I loved that series, especially the dagger at the end. But it was a fantastic series all the way through. It could have gone either way. I will say this about that shot, all right? (laughs) It was fantastic. It was an amazing, just take the teams and the fandom and all that stuff out of it. It was an amazing sports moment. So at first when it happened, it was a gut punch for me as a 76ers fan. Because they had, like, Butler had just tied it up. And this thing was going to, like, oh, I was edge of my seat it was it was very very stressful but then when that shot happened the initial reaction 
oh, you got to be kidding me. There there wasn't any time on the clock, right? Like, that was still in his hand. And then yeah. I watched the footage like it was the, the Zapruder film. I watched every single replay from every single angle. I'm like, why did Embiid take over the defensive assignment from Ben Simmons? Simmons had him. And then Embiid, du- like, double-clutched on his jump to block the shot and, like, every little thing about it. Uh, but then I stood back and realized this is a, like phenomenal moment in sports it was at the first game seven buzzer beater in nba playoff history it ended up being like a historic run for the raptors that was part of them you know going on it's kind of like the alex burroughs goal was the like happened in round one and they still had to make it to the finals in that but that being such a huge part of it i mean it's not often where you're watching sports history and a moment that will live forever when you're watching it live so that's why i I will say, like looking back on it, I thought that shot in that moment was phenomenal, personal investment aside. Yeah, no, that's fair. I know uh, as soon as he released the shot, I jumped up off my couch and was like, oh no, we ran out of time, that's it. But then everything just felt like it stopped. And then my reaction like mirrored Kawhi's, like just the lean down watch. Is it going? Yeah. Is it going? And then, and then it finally finishes bouncing all over the rim and then drops for it for it it was incredible moment which is great because my reaction mirrored in beads uh where <laughs> yeah, i went just devastating i cried in the hallway and my girlfriend had to settle me down so yeah it's great that we both uh, had those those reactions yeah we should have had those recorded anyways uh we'll jump into the shootout round here we've got some great questions uh from different people on twitter so we'll we'll fire it up Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know it. I love it. I love it. It gets better. Hold on. Oh, oh no way. Customized, too. <laughs> to be clear, to be clear, I didn't put my own name on the back of a Dolphins jersey. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, this was from my sister. My sister's a big Miami Dolphins fan, and uh, Zach Bowman used to play for the Dolphins, so she uh, she snagged this for me. Zach Bowman, that's awesome. Yeah, so kind of a big deal. Yeah, I like it. Had to bust out the dolphin colors. That's sweet. I actually did need to plug in my computer. It wasn't just to go. Dolphins jersey, but while I was out there, I figured I'll stop by my jersey closet and uh, do a little wardrobe change for you. Oh, you have to. you got to do it, especially after we plugged plugged the great colors. Of course. All right, man. So we're going to jump into the shootout. So we'll rapid fire some questions at you. We'll start with uh, your man, J-Swing. If you were quarantined with one member of the TTP show for a month, who would you pick? Oh, jeez. Uh, I saw your reaction to justice for Jay Swing if I don't pick him. Uh, Jay, would, Jay would keep me so entertained with great music and stuff. Like, oh, me yeah. and Jay music a lot. He's got so many amazing stories and everything. Um, Wyatt, would, he would just torment me so much like that'd be a real like odd couple uh odd couple scenario and i would be i think i'd be scared to like spend a month in lockdown with wyatt just because of the amount of times that he just f's with me 
uh, you know, we have a we have a fun relationship. If you if you were to go with Y, you might have to do like a Big Brother situation where you have cameras all through the house, and then <sighs> and then we just watch him mess with you for a solid month. <laughs> Wouldn't really encourage him to do it, but if there were no cameras, that would not stop him from doing it. So, yeah, it could only get worse. Yeah. Okay. Next one we have from Sawyer Marsh. Have you ever been on any really bad dates? And if yes, what was it? Okay, there were uh, there were a couple. I think I've told the story on Trust the Process before. It wasn't a bad date necessarily, but uh, I was going on a first date with a girl. I think I was in tenth grade. Uh, I was going on a first date with a girl, and I uh, I wanted to go to the movies. I let her pick the movie, of course. I was hoping she would pick uh, Eight Mile. Uh, she picked nice. the ring instead, and the ring is uh, it's uh, it's very scary. And I'm a big scaredy when it comes to the movies. So I made the date for Saturday, and then I went to see the ring on Friday night by myself to get all the scares out. So I would be a bit more, you know, macho and brave uh, on the Saturday night. Uh, there was another date I had uh, where I took a girl to a Canuck game. And it was the first time she'd ever been to a Canuck game. So I was like, oh, you're right on. That's great. Uh, yeah, doesn't necessarily know, like, fan etiquette. She talked and, like, blathered the entire time. Thought, oh, it, was, no. thought it was really neat that the Sedin twins get to, that the brothers get to play together. That's really neat. They're brothers? Okay. And then was, like, grooving to the songs, which isn't that bad, but, like, I felt the heat and the anger from my entire section as she just, like, asked about everything, and I was like, oh, no. I See, she'd never been to a Canuck game. I didn't know that she wasn't necessarily, like, a hockey fan or anything. She was super right. keen. She was super keen to go. Um, but then, like, I just felt so bad for distracting everybody in my section. And... Oh. Yeah, there was another one. I'll, I'll bust out a hat trick here. There was yeah. another one where um, me and this girl had been together not super, super long, but like it had kind of like run its course. We were pretty different and stuff. So I went out, we went out to lunch uh, and I was going to, you know, let her know we're, you know, hey, you know, we're, we're done. And then another, it was a pretty empty restaurant. And then another couple was seated like right next to us like a table right next to us. And so I'm like, I don't want an audience for this. Yeah, so, that's I'll, not cool. so I'll just wait. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk afterwards. And then, so I pulled back on it and then she broke up with me in the parking lot on the way to, uh, on the way to the car. So I'm like, I should have just taken it with the audience. I'm going to save some face here, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, that wasn't a very good date either. Well, at least both of you had the same idea. That's <laughs> the thing. I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. She's like, really? I'm like, yeah. And I didn't say, like, I was, because that's a, you know, pretty, I was just about to break up with you anyway. It was just kind of like, I just I help but laugh because I'm like, they had to sit that couple right next to us. End of the day, the same result happened, but, ah. Well, yeah. that's, that's weird. You're in a restaurant all by yourself. You don't want to be sitting right next to anybody, even on a good date. Exactly. Like, Where was social distancing like, then? <laughs> I hope there's some changes from this uh, that we all learn. Okay. So next one is from at Ash Empire. You've won $200, but the catch is you have to talk to Mark Messier for an hour. Do you collect the $200? Uh, 100%. I'll talk to that guy. I got questions for him. First question, how dare you? How 
dare you? What was going through your mind when you cross-checked Lyndon when he was on the ice? Uh, does it bother you that he's more revered in this city than you ever will be? Like, I've got so many questions to ask that guy. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Like, because here's the thing. This is like, I don't know, are you familiar with The Watchmen? The yeah. comic, the movie, whatever? I'm not stuck talking to Mark Messier for an hour. He's stuck talking to me for an hour. I got some things to say to him. So you know what? Yeah. And I'll, I'll collect the 200 bucks to give that guy several pieces of my mind. Oh, well, easily. Perfect. Yeah. You know what? It, it didn't say be friends with him. It said that no. you would talk to him for an yeah. hour. And oh, yeah. it doesn't doesn't mean that there's the nice exchanges happening there. Yeah, like 18% of what I say are curse words in that in that <laughs> conversation. So. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so this one, this one's pretty funny. This is from Chris Faber. What is your second favorite letter in your name? Ah, <laughs> uh, jeez. Uh, I don't know. I think I think the R. The R is pretty R's, good. Uh, the yeah. the D is not bad. I'd never go by J D Bowman, but uh, yeah, the the R, the D are pretty good. Uh, not a fan of the uh, of the A at the end of it just because that's the thing that people when they actually use my first name and like spell it out that they always like get wrong o-n uh e-n i see y-n out there sometimes like the jordans we talk at the meetings and uh the jordans that that last vowel is is all of our least favorites because that's what you know confuses all of us that's that's true that's the one hold up to spelling it perfectly every time see my name s-e-a-n like my second favorite letter yeah. would be what N because it's the only thing that is consistent with everybody's spelling. Like, I don't know. There's not yeah. a whole lot of saving grace there. I remember years ago when Coke did the share a Coke with, and they had the names on them. Right. I remember the first year they did it, there were no Jordans and I was furious. Like I'm seeing Bianca's out there. And I'm like, I've never right? met a Bianca in my life. Why does she get a Coke? And I don't in my eighth grade class, there were nine Jordans, nine in my main friend group in my 20s, there were three of us. All of us went by abbreviations of our last names. Yet Coke is going to say, oh, sorry, Jordans, you're out of luck. It was ridiculous. But one thing I did see in that promotion that I really liked was I saw Jason with a Y, like J-A-Y-S-O-N. And I thought to myself, you know what? That's actually kind of sweet because that poor person has been correcting the spelling of his name the, his entire life. The universally recognized spelling of Jason is J-A-S-O-N. Full stop. His parents threw a Y in there just to be clever and creative and all that. And it's ruined this person's life. But you know what, Jason with a Y? Here's a Coke just for you. That actually inspired me a little bit. I like that. Yeah, that dude needed a Coke. I actually got a Coke with with my name spelt on it properly. Nice. I couldn't believe it. I, usually it's S-H-A-W-N or some... Actually, you know what? I'll tell you the craziest one I ever got was from actually a school teacher. A substitute teacher came in and spelt my name... Wait for it. S-C-H-E-A-U-G-H-A-N-N-E. That's like... like you tried six way too hard ready and it's also like so were you doing a fake irish accent at the time or were you dressed as some sort of leprechaun because no. that's like it sounds like a very irish spelling of it where hey let's just throw in a bunch of g's and h's for no reason right i just brought my calm you know regular voice in and that's what i got that's what i got right so that that day actually was pretty funny i'll, I'll tell this little side story here so 
it was a like I don't even know what kind of drill we were trying to do at school. Like we were in elementary school. I was in grade six for this, and we were all like se- several of us were selected to fake injuries and dress like and scatter around the schoolyard. And so I had like this massive head wound, right? And uh, like just ketchup everywhere. Uh, I think my arm was broken too, and I was like underneath the monkey bars, right? And so it was to test. I think fellow students, I don't really even remember what it was, but what they would do, what do you do, grade six student, in, in a situation where your your fellow classmates are pretty much dead in the playground? Um, and so they they went through and he was writing the names on the board of like how people responded to each each case. And that's where my spelling came in. Really? So that's not only I did I take a fatal shot to the head on the playground. I had to watch my name get butchered too. Like, come on. It's a wild drill. Like, hey, six is a gaping head wound. If I had a gaping head wound or whatever, I want none of my friends anywhere near it. Get an adult, please. Let alone at like eleven years old. Like at eleven, you're walking around and they sent everybody out, right? Like one of the teachers came into the classroom and was like oh no, a bunch of students are hurt outside and sent all the students outside and they had to tour around like it was some kind of like exhibit of all of us injured at various locations of the schoolyard. That's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Like as a a school teacher, I would absolutely do that drill again for no apparent reason because I still to this day have no idea why it happened. I love when, uh, when I was a kid and it snowed because uh, then they would designate snowball fights were legal on like the athletic field. I'm sh- it's been a, it's been a minute since I've been in school, so I'm sure it's different now. But when I was a kid, like if you're on the snowball, if you're on the athletic field, go for it. Snowball fights are legal. That's the wild west out there. But then if you were anywhere else, it's, it's snowballs are illegal. So if some kid went crying to like one of the lunchtime supervisors, like I got hit with a snowball, the question wasn't who did it. The first question was, well, where were you? <laughs> and if you were on the athletic field, guess what? You just learned a life lesson. Yeah, that, there you go. Were you in the war zone or were you in the the no the neutral exactly. zone? Yeah, you had to know. I was on the field, but I was just wondering, well, you got hit with the ball. That's that's your own fault. You got hit with a snowball. That's that's you. So stay out of there. Uh, I love that. You should have known better. I, I like that. Better. We need to bring some uh, some new rules back to back to school. I liked those. Okay. Yeah. Another question here from Jamie Birch. Have you ever puked <laughs> in a penalty box? <laughs> Let me tell you about the uh, what's been known as the Jordan Bowman hat trick. Uh, yeah, so I used to play, uh, I used to play hockey with Birch, uh, love Birch, I, I miss that guy, he's, he's, he's good times, uh, yeah, so there was a game where we were playing, and it was, you know, late in the game, I went down and I blocked a shot on the shift, and then I got up, and then there was a scrum behind the net, so I got involved in the scrum, and I got into a fight, I got in some fisticuffs, uh, I didn't do very well, I believe I was, I was tossed, pretty well like a real good like hip toss takeover from the other guy it was bad news and i was also i think i was sick at the time uh and then when i went to the penalty box there was about i want to say just over a minute left in the game and there were two other of my teammates in the penalty box with me so say there's a minute and two left in the game uh as soon as i got to the penalty box i threw up and i continued to throw up all the way for the rest of the game and through the handshakes. And oh. my teammate 
swear to God. And then my teammates who uh, were in the box with me, I'm not sure. Birch had to have been one of them. They're like creeping up against the end of the, the edge of the penalty box like it's lava because I'm filling that thing up. Uh, yeah. And then I missed the handshakes and everything. And then I just kind of sheepishly skated out of the penalty box once it was over and just kind of went back to the dressing room. And then that was it. But uh, yeah, the Jordan Bowman hat trick. Block a shot, get in a fight and throw up in the penalty box. I like it. I like it. I have one throwing up story from hockey and it wasn't, it's not mine, which you know what I appreciate, but a good friend of mine, his name is Avery and he's a, he's a goaltender, but we would just play like rec hockey, right? We'd just be kind of just fooling around out there. And, and he, he came really sick and I told him that he shouldn't be playing because he was like, Oh, I've been throwing up all day. I was like, uh, you know what? Like, I don't know if you should be out there. Anyways, he goes out there and sure enough, like 20 minutes in, he pulls his mask off and just heaves all over the ice and <laughs> like, like no time to go anywhere. Just heaves on the ice. So we had to, we had to cut it off at like the halfway point and we just pulled, dragged his net out and did like a half, half ice thing and sent him out because <laughs> yeah nobody was going through there <laughs> just imagine if you do that it's not like a record like it's an actual like legitimate game and right. you just mark your territory and like all right i'm gonna keep my crease uh clear <laughs> like nobody crashing that crease no but of course the poor guy has to come out and like shovel all that up right yeah like, <laughs> nasty yeah just just atrocious Okay, so I've got some questions, not from uh, different viewers, just stuff that uh, we've had on the past that we have different guys that ask questions like every week, and it's the same question. So I was okay. just like, you know what? I'll save you the liberty, and I'll just start asking them every week instead. What is your favorite pizza? Uh, favorite pizza, pepperoni, pineapple, and onions. What? Really? Yeah, man. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a pineapple on pizza person. That's a lot of peas. Uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Uh, or I would go to Papa John's and get the uh, the three pea special: pepperoni, pineapple, and provolone cheese. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I, okay, I'm not a ham. I'm not a ham person, so I don't like Hawaiian or ham and pineapple or anything. But I do feel pineapple does a certain thing to uh, to pizza, and I'm into it. So yeah, pepperoni, pineapple, and either extra cheese or some onions on there. You know, one thing that I really want to try pizza wise is mango. I've had a lot of people tell me that mango on pizza is the new thing and I haven't tried it yet. I need to try mango on pizza. Okay. Yeah. I feel like it brings like the pineapple feels to it. I think. Yeah. It's slightly different. A bit. Yeah. Like sweeter. Yeah. A bit sweeter. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not sure what I'd pair it with yet, but. I want to try mango on pizza. At some you know what, day. Sean? When, when this is all over, let's let's you and I get out, get a slice of uh, a pizza with some mango on there. Oh yeah, <laughs> we'll get some chicken strips just for good measure. Of course, we'll just in case. Uh, what's your favorite activity in Vancouver? Uh, favorite activity in Vancouver? Oh man, I really I don't want to say the seawall, but the seawall is fantastic. Um, favorite activity in Vancouver? Uh, probably I love to hike the BCMC. Not okay. the Grouse Grind, 
the BCMC is like right next to the grind. Literally, it's the grind splits off into this other one. I think the grind is a is a miserable experience. Should be punishment for shoplifting. It's basically just like stairs for an hour. Whereas the BCMC is a lot more natural. Uh, it takes a little bit longer. Like usually you're done like an hour and a half, hour twenty or whatever. You wind up literally like twenty feet from where the grind finishes up. So you're still hiking to the top of Grouse, but it's less crowded. It's more natural. It's not just like straight stairs. And there's like some nice places where you can just kind to stop and catch your breath and and take it in so i'd probably say hiking the bcmc uh yeah i love i love doing that that's uh that's great that's awesome okay and we'll wrap up with one last one what is one city in bc that either you would like to visit or that's your go-to spot outside of vancouver hmm um let's see i know i've been to nelson quite a bit my girlfriend's mm. uh family is in nelson um that's a really cool little town uh i like it is really quirky my brother almost moved up to nelson many many years ago uh yeah i'd probably say yeah you know what i'm gonna nelson's been good to me i'm gonna throw down for uh for nelson bc i like it i like it greg adams is from from there that's true yeah greg adams the famous the famous um awesome well thank you so much for joining us i kept you obviously a lot longer than what we planned on doing but we were having so much fun. Why stop? Yeah, of course. Um, I was just wanting to leave off, uh, give you the option to shout out or promote anything. I know that you don't like doing self-promotion <laughs> stuff, but I'm going to put you on the spot for why here and give you the opportunity to do so here. Okay, so uh, Trust the Process is the show I do with Wyatt Arndt and Jay Swing. Uh, we usually do two to four every Saturday on Save on Radio. Obviously, with this happening, the radio station shut down, so we'll be releasing it in its podcast form, still on iTunes and Podbean and and all that. So that's Trust the Process. Uh, I also want to promote uh, Wyatt Arndt and his run to the title in the Canucks Twitter, March Madness. Yes. Man, this is the guy. You, you know, everything this tournament stands for is why aren't he's a legitimate media person. He's really engaging and funny on Twitter. He has been doing this for so long. Like he's got the longevity. Like I, everybody who's been in it has been like awesome. Uh, everybody in there is deserving, of course, of being in there. Sean, tough break for you in the in the first round. I voted yeah. for it. I don't have enough burners. Oh, you know I, what? I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Because um, I, I knew I was in tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And some people was like matched up like, oh, Jesus. Uh, yeah. Oh, no, no, it's like, oh, too bad. I really like this person. But there's no way they're beating, you know, Vanessa Jang and Jeff Patterson. Is like, yeah. ah, that's, I you know, know, he's great. But... I saw that, I was like, Godspeed, Vanessa. Like, I love you, <laughs> <Yeah>. but <laughs> like, it's just uh, yeah, so for Wyatt. Wyatt is also doing a lot of research and uncovering a lot of shocking information about his opponents. It's I interesting to that. me that there's no skeletons in people's closets, and it's only coming out when they go up against Wyatt. So uh, I can't wait to see what kind of facts he has uh, about uh, his next couple opponents if he goes uh, goes far. Uh, his research department, like his, you know, he gets his scoops hat on and he goes for it. Uh, also, want to promote a movie podcast that I do at the movies ten years later. Me and my childhood friend Jim. Uh, we watch and review whatever movie was number one in the box office 10 years ago. Uh, kind of see how things age, see how things change, just kind of revisit some classics. Uh, we finished off our 2009 run with Avatar. It had been 10 years since Avatar. Wow. Um, we did a 2009 year in review episode, and then we're yeah getting into the 2010s soon enough here. We're building the stuff like Inception was 2010, like really looking forward to 
Can you believe it's been 10 years since Inception came out? No, I can't. Like, no, that's the premise. The premise of the show. Ha uh, <laughs> ha! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good. You got me. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, that, uh, and that's it. So. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining, and uh, thanks for cooperating with the the shameless self promotion that I forced you into. And uh, if you haven't already listened to the TTP show or the uh, at the movies over the last ten years, that for me, I have to go listen to that one. I haven't listened to that one yet. Uh, but I'll have to go listen to that podcast now. I recommend you do so because, Bo, you're awesome, man. Thanks for joining us today, and uh, thanks for your vote during the <laughs> during the March. Did everything I took from you, Sean. Yeah, no problem, Sean. I love your show. You're doing uh, you're doing great. Uh, I will continue to listen uh, beyond this. And uh, yeah, man, all uh, all the best to you. All the best success uh, while uh, while all this is happening, and even when hockey comes back, I uh, really look forward to see what you uh, what you do with the show. Awesome. Thanks so much, man. Have a great rest of your day. Cheers, sir. From Sean Warren and the Area 51 podcast, thank you for listening, and please like, share, and follow along as we continue to grow. Join in the conversation on social media. We also now have new merchandise available on our own website. You can find it there on shop.spreadshirt.ca backslash Area 51 Hockey Podcast and you can grab some great merch. Thanks again, and stay tuned for the next episode of the Area 51 Hockey Podcast. Cheers.